Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Four, three, two, one. I told you before to be careful where you put your legs. I was only trying to be helpful. I can help myself. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on. For seven decades, Michael Caine has been among the world's most renowned and recognisable actors. It was just what I needed, a one-inch god with a two-inch penis. The star of classics like Zulu, The Man Who Would Be King and The Cider House Rules. It's a miracle no one was killed. But also films that brought his career to the brink of complete implosion. I made a mistake. Somehow, he has always found a way back. You're a big man, but you're in bad shape. With me, it's a full-time job. In this epic podcast series, we will watch and review every Michael Caine movie, from the greatest hits... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! ...to the incredible misses. You failed to maintain your weapon, son. And take a deep dive into the life and work of one of the world's most recognisable film stars. His name is Michael Caine, and no one will forget his name. To understand how he has made the mark of Caine. Well, you all settled in? Right, we can begin. For God's sake, come in! Hello and welcome to the Mark of Kane, our ongoing tour of duty through the films of Michael Kane, watching every good, bad and indifferent movie that make up one of the most eclectic collections in the history of modern cinema. My name is Michael Foley and I'm joined as always by Stephen Black. He's battle-scarred and traumatised. I'd say today's movie for you might have been... What's the expression that I'm looking for? Something that's like one too many or like a pint too much or a, a wafer-thin mint over the top. What's the, what's the phrase I'm looking for? An endurance test. Yes. An endurance test of my patience yeah. um, my and my love of cinema, basically. Really? That fundamental? Yes. Wow. Fundamental... Everything I hate about a movie is in this movie. Get out of town. And everything I like in a movie is in this movie. My God. Yeah. What does that mean? Does does, does, does that mean we do really badly on the Mr. and Mrs. show? Yes, absolutely. Um, I I don't know what that is. (laughs) But I'm going to agree with you. I'm yes-ending you again. We've talked about this, the importance of of comedic uh, back and forth and riffing and whatnot. Yeah. Yes, and you. The Mr. and Mrs. Show is the one where the husband and wife are on and they fucking, they're, they're asked, one goes into a soundproof booth and the other one, uh, and the other one answers questions about them, kind of personal questions that they should know the answers to. Are you aware of this show? You're not aware of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know it. That's what it was called. Great analogy. <laughs> uh, one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, um, Jeez, no, I, I have to. This is a film, A Bridge Too Far, by the way, is the film we're doing today. Um, a film that was pretty well hammered at the time. Pretty well hammered at the time. I could have been, I could have actually done with being pretty fucking hammered at the time I was watching this. <laughs> Unfortunately, that would have required maybe uh, drinking over three or four consecutive days because that's how long it took me to get through this. Uh, yeah, this is this is not your wheelhouse. This is absolutely this is pretty much this, my is, this wheelhouse is me though. like a like a child, uh, a stubborn child who's been told uh, dinner in the evening you finish those vegetables, otherwise you're not you're not going to bed. So this is me basically alone in the dark with a cold plate of fucking broccoli. And <laughs> you go, no, not doing it. <laughs> and the thing is, like, 
you know, this is a Michael Caine podcast and it must have just appalled you to realize as the movie is going on that Caine is barely in this. I put, oh, this I, is pure cam- It's pure cameo porn. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter what's going on here. It's so, oh, look, it's your man from the thing. Oh, look, it's the other guy from that thing. Mm. And Michael Caine is just one in the cavalcade of people. Oh, I know him from that. Oh, God, now he's gone. You could have written these lines in the back of a fag packet, like. Yeah. There's about, I'd say he's about six lines. No, this is this is absolutely my wheelhouse. Epic war movie, great stuff, not yours. I think I'd probably gain about a stone eating biscuits and just sipping tea, watching this one just kind of luxuriating in us, you know. <sighs> it was grand. Oh, it was nice. Very nice. Very yeah, nice. I feel this is going to be for, I, I, an opportunity for you to monologue about this movie because I'm just like, done. <laughs> No, we try and keep it to a minute. We're going to, we're going to have to be focused on this now because this is cane based, right? Like, like I maybe I can do a breakout. Maybe I can do a breakout bridge too far podcast or something like that. Maybe maybe that might be a thing. Yeah, maybe that'll hopefully prove as popular as this one. <laughs> right. Anyway, let's get into this. Get stuck into this. All right. This is a movie of such scope and ambition and size. It even makes our man Kane look very small. Right. It's twenty six million dollars of your twenty six million by the way of your nineteen seventy seven dollars. This cost. Or apparently, for, some people say it was forty five million. But anyway, we're somewhere in the middle of all that. There's fourteen major stars, seven Oscar winners, and five other nominees. Richard Attenborough as directed, darling. Such a dearie. Joseph E. Levine fulfilling a deathbed promise, no less, to Cornelius Ryan, the author of the book that inspired this epic. Oh, most worthless of all promises to fulfill. <laughs> Who's going to know? They're the best ones to say you're going you're, you're to keep. I don't worry, I'll do that for you. Levine was true to his word. He got the picture made. So now, listen, boil the kettle, make toilet, Settle in and get comfy for a bridge make to toilet. Make toilet. It's not enough to make toilet. You need to get a fucking cholesterol bag. <laughs> I'm going to have to do that last bit again. I'm going to have to do that last bit again. So boil the kettle, make toilet, settle in. Get a cholesterol bag inserted. <laughs> at our age, there's a couple of toilets that need to be made during this fucking thing. <laughs> and get comfy for a bridge too far. <laughs> We've paid for that bridge and we're going to collect. We're going to fly 35,000 men 300 miles and drop them behind enemy lines. It'll be the largest airborne operation ever mounted. Quite frankly, this kind of thing's never been attempted before. We shall seize the bridges, it's all a question of bridges, with thunderclap surprise. And hold them until they can be secured. And we go next Sunday. Seven days. The sooner we go, the better. You've got them on the run. Joseph E. Levine presents A Bridge Too Far. Based on Cornelius Ryan's international bestseller. The story of the most dramatic and devastating battle of World War II. The plan is called Operation Market Garden. Market is the airborne element and garden the ground forces. I like to think of this as one of those American Western films. All right. I asked you yesterday, okay, when I knew you were in the, just in the horrors, right, to think about this question. What character, you know, just like, like I said, there's 14 stars in this, right? Um, who would you, what role would you assign to me, I know exactly who I'd assign to you. Looking at the okay. looking at the stars, I would assign to you the role of uh, whoever Dick Bogart was or Dirk Bogart was playing I, this. 
Browning, the uh, kind of Monty's Phil Marshall Montgomery's representative on Earth. Yeah. yeah. Why? Plowing, plowing on regardless of the evidence that proves that you should not be continuing on. Uh, <laughs> and when all is said and done, still thinking that it was a good job. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm very good at that. It's like just, that was fine. That was yeah. fine. That was good. Yeah. Hey, everyone's happy. No, no one died. Well, no one died. <laughs> Sean Connery in his role as General Urquhart in this at the very, very end says, I went into Ireland with 10,000 men. I left with less than 2,000. And Browning, Dirk Bogart's car is sitting back on. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Jack, what's, what's, what's your problem? Yeah, I, that would be me. All right. Listen, yep. get away home there and we'll, we'll debrief next week. We'll see, we'll see where we're at. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who I would have had you as I, actually the cane roll. To be honest. You're there. You're, you're there. In body, maybe not in major, ma- ma- major or general tash bastard. Yeah, major general tash bastard. Vandalay, Vandalay. Sounds like something of dirty rotten scoundrels. Mainly, that's not who I, have, I, that's not who I identify as at all. Well, let me explain why I identify explain you. Why, yeah. And you I can, tell you, you why can, you're wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. That's what usually happens. Uh, yeah, you're there. You're there in body, and maybe not in spirit. You're throwing out the old dry one-liners. You know, you're basically your your role is limited to standing on top of a tank or sleeping, there's actually in this movie, a se- in the middle of all the chaos, there's a scene of Cain asleep. Then you, we, then, we have time for it. There's, then, God, there's <laughs> so much time. We have so much time. Then you typically, when the shit hits the fan, you disappear off to the grand old country house and then you're not seen again until all the top dogs are gathered together at the end to rake over what went wrong and you're there like peak best hanging on to the edge of a beetle picture, taking a bit of the, not even taking the blame. That's why you're vanilla. Well, I, I, well I'll tell you who I identify with anyway. Uh, yeah. And it's none of the stars. It's an Irish actor, actually, if I remember correctly. It's the young fella who tells uh, Major Browning that keeps on going, this is going to be a disaster. Here's the evidence. And he ends up uh, being uh, sectioned and yes. crying. So it's basically... <laughs> So in this dynamic, I've told you this is not working. This is awful. Things are going to go absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. And you've gone, no, 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 no. I was like, no, here's the evidence. Look at these pictures. Yes, yes we're going to still carry on. Yes. And then I'm just put, I just start to weep silently. <laughs> and I'm led, <laughs> led off to be committed. <laughs> you must watch this movie. It'll be fine. No, 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 no. Three hours long. It can't idea. be three hours long, Fuller. It can't be. It can't be. No, 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 no. That's well, not. Starts, that's, that's, that's off with what feels like a twenty-five minute uh, introduction with voiceover and stock footage. It's not a good way to start a movie. <laughs> I, don't movie like. vo- I don't even know. I don't even know who's doing the voiceover. Was it somebody famous? It's oh. like you've got fucking. You've got a cast of thousands, and it's somebody. It's, it's somebody who's not in the cast doing the voiceover. You think? You're paying this guy 250 grand a day. Might as well fucking work him like a fucking horse yeah. and uh, I get to do the voiceover. No. Oh, Bloodless introduction. And then we're off and we're like, who, uh, opening scene. And you've got fucking young Harry Potter or fucking Dutch Curly Watts, fucking uh, the Dutch <laughs> resistance going around surveying the lay of the land. And you think, oh, is he going to be some sort of, you think, is he going to be some sort of fucking uh, major player in this? Mm-hmm. The thing is, if, if, even if there was a character called major player in this, he would not be on screen for a very long fucking time. <laughs> it's just goes hither, tither, and yon, back and forth. You go, who's he again? What am I? Okay, what's he okay. doing? Okay, let me just feel that because we're 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 not going to get too deep into this before we do the plot and all that crack. But and by the way, I'm going to keep the plot really short. But the the, the point of having all the stars, it's it, like Josephine oh, Levine, right? Let me just finish. I'm going to stop. I'll do the plot. There is an invasion planned. 
uh, both sides are told, oh, things can go awry. The invasion happens. Things go awry. The end. That, that's, that's it. That's basically it. Yeah, that's basically that is that, 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 that is essentially it. But just a little, just a all right. Just a second now, all right. This is what this is what happens when man says he wants to play the game of war. People die. That's that actually, is my best. That's a better Polish accent than Gene Hackman managed to spunk off in this fucking movie. I think, I think to be fair, Gene Hackman's Polish accent as the head of the Polish force is a cry of help all on its own. I, I, you, you sense that Hackman knows that this is this is going to be this is not going to end well, and the, the the accent is manifest. The point of having all the stars, right, Josephine Levine, four hundred. Every time you say that, I keep. I think you're saying Josephine Levine. Well, just think, why, why would you name your daughter Josephine if your surname was Levine? <laughs> I don't know. He's like, like Mark Bowen calling his child Roland. Roland Bowen, I know. Yeah. Well, there you go. Joseph E. Levine, right? 491 movies this man was involved in in the course of his career, either producing, directing, or financing. That's the next podcast, so is it? I tell you, we're on it. We're on it. I'm already getting the list together. Um, his thing was always, you spend the money, on the director and the writer. He was not a guy, he was not a star guy, but for this movie, they had to have stars. Number one, to raise the money. So that's why you have the likes of Robert Redford in. But also, to your point about getting lost, they reckon if you have really star recognizable people, you can follow them through the movie, through what is a very complicated plot. Um, and they'll guide you through. So you can have eight, seven or eight major storylines going on and you can just go, oh, that's Ryan O'Neill's storyline. That's Connery's storyline. There's Kane for four seconds of sleep. Um, there's Redford. There's Elliot Gould. There's James Caan and you, uh, Anthony Hopkins. And you, and you, and you get to the end and it's, and, and it's all, that's, that's the idea. Didn't work for you, obviously. You got it didn't work. Well, it, it doesn't work because again, just because you recognize the story, you have to remember what is it that they're doing here now at this stage. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. Like, and there's just so much unnecessary shit in this the Elliot uh, Elliot Gould does not need to be in this movie his whole plotline is superfluous to it it could could not have happened did not need to be there and he's terrible Elliot Gould is not a tough guy you can see the the difference between being uh, Elliot Gould has more lines I think than Robert Robert Redford in this Robert Redford makes more of an impact in this movie within five seconds of being on screen because, because you know who Robert Redford you know he's a leader you know he's a lead you know he's a guy inspires confidence either Elliot Gould just looks like a schmuck and uh, try to come off and like a t- it's, it's just not it's not it's just not in his wheelhouse he's completely miscast Jimmy Cadd again I, I, I were we used to assume the injured soldier goes is like is there a kind of an undercurrent that that might have been his boyfriend or something that well, he was what's going on there like let's just put some meat on again meat on the bones of this right so you want to talk with Jimmy Cadd so back to Elliot Gould just for one second right yeah. so Elliot Gould is a cigar chomping composite character it needs to be said that a lot of a bridge too far it, they, they, it, historically very very accurate the portrayal of some of the characters bit 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 ropey here and there the, Elliot, Elliot Gould's uh, character is a composite guy he's a cigar chomping uh, American colonel or something and they, he's there he, and they have to build this bridge because the Germans have blown up one of these very important bridges so he has one little interaction with Kane but we, maybe we'll come to that in a second but James Kahn the James James Cann actually had a choice of roles in this. He was given a choice of different characters to play, and he chose this particular one. It's a true story. This what this happened. So essentially, he he's before they're dropped into Holland um, for this for for this operation. He befriends this guy before they are, they all jet off. Who says you know basically 
look after me. And he says, yeah, I will, yeah. So then he finds him. He's been, he's been what looks like mortally wounded. He brings him along, brings him to a surgeon. At gunpoint, forces the guy to treat him, saves his life, and uh, gets court-martialed for 10 seconds for, for pulling a gun on a putting a gun on a surgeon and off he goes. And that's the last you see of James Caan. I think it's a rare good choice by James Caan in terms of a role. He, he passed up so many in his career that, that could have really put his career somewhere else. But um, I thought that's, I thought that was a good little story. It was a little kind of diversion storyline. What, what point? What, what's the point? What's it just humanises it. It brings it. It brings it down to a level. You but know? sure, you, it and doesn't humanise it. It's a bit, it of, action. It's a bit of action in the middle. It, of it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like it doesn't really humanise it because again, he's not a main character. This is like, oh, there's James Cann, and you never see him again. There's no through point on this. There is. There's. Uh, I'm trying to think of the character that you're introduced from the beginning, who's go, who you stay with. You know, who stays the, the length of the film and has a. An arc, Connery a arc within the movie. Connery, but even still, it's like not. There's no. I, I don't even get that sense from Connery. I know Connery is the de facto leader, but even still, he's given so little to do. Does a little running from point A to point B. Uh, doesn't get any really anything you'd call being an outstanding scene in this. There's no real meat for Connery to get you know to uh, to get his teeth into here. Yeah. Like the, Hopkins, Hopkins gets more. I think Hopkins gets more. To, Hopkins, I wouldn't have thought is even a name in 1977. Ah, uh, he would have had a bit of. I mean, he wouldn't have been as big as the others, but he would have had a. He would have been coming, coming, coming good as this area. Like, look, this is the fundamental criticism of a Bridge Too Far is that it doesn't have a solid. Like the storyline is Operation Market Garden, the operation, and then the portrayal of it, and then you have all these little. I suppose if you want to call them vignettes, if you like, that are, are kind of putting the meat on the bones of what what the operation was like for the ordinary soldier, what it was like for these. It works. It doesn't for most people and for the critics. It certainly didn't work at the time. It didn't do much box office. I think it's. I think it's aged well. I enjoy it because it's just I can, I can follow it. I can just just go with it. I'm happy to go with it. But look, let me just get you very quickly the plot. Right, I'm gonna not. It's not going to be much longer than your version of it. Right. So essentially, a bridge too far. It's September 44. The Allied commanders were in a race to make Berlin end the war, take the glory, etc. So Field Marshal Montgomery on the British side decided, let's let's just basically drop a load of guys into Holland, uh, grab a bunch of bridges that'll basically open the road all the way to Berlin. Operation Market Garden, it was called. It went wrong from the very beginning. The German strength in the area was way more than what they thought it was. Uh, air, rec- air reconnaissance evidence that showed this ignored. Uh, radios don't work. The road they have to drive on is too, too too narrow. It's a disaster. The Germans are fighting like demons and lads are getting dropped miles from where they need to be. It's a total, total mess. And as we're talking here, as as we're kind of talking about here, there's lots of intertwining storylines about how it's going wrong everywhere. And it kind of ends up really as a lesson in hubris and arrogance, not just poor planning, but just blithe disregard for the clear evidence that this master plan was never going to work. But there we are. But there we are. What do you think, just to focus on our man for a second, the K performance. I put the clock on him. This is the shortest appearance yet in a flick that we've watched. He's, I would say, about seven minutes. He's in it for of three hours. Oh, was that short movie that we watched? The silent movie that we watched, where he's just oh, him as Ginger Jerry Adams driving past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was. Yeah. That, I think that's probably the shortest one. Oh, you're um, right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, that's why I resent you so much for this. Like because again. <laughs> We're doing it. We'll be doing later on what we call kind of cameo cane, uh, where we're bucketing up um, things like these Nolan cameos, maybe into one podcast. But again, this is this is like a delicious amuse bouche way away in the future while I'm currently again in the dark, mm. you know, fucking with my fork, playing with a bunch of cold broccoli. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, not much point talking about that now. So yeah, that's why I resent you so so it's, much for making me Kane, watch this. Resent Kane. It's not me making you watch it. It's it's uh, on the list. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Just watch it. It'll be fine. You'll find something in it. It's yeah. almost impossible to rate his performance, actually, because what he 
what he has to do. He does funny. He, he just he says the lines. He says the lines. He's got the he's got the bastard mustache. Yeah. Um, He's he interacts with other people. That's it. Yeah. He, play, he plays. His character is is in charge of the Irish guards. Basically, their job is to is to flake their tanks up the road once they get there and just and to ignore nine 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 calls. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. The real Joe Vandeleur was on set. He was one of the advisors, and he was quite happy with Kane's performance. Anyway, he did change one thing. William Goldman wrote the script which I know you have issues with, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, he did change it. So Kane's line when, when the tanks were ready to go when, was meant to be, charge, big dramatic charge. And uh, Vandeleur just whispered in his ear and said, no, no, we wouldn't have said it like that. We just said, let's get moving, which is exactly what did he just said, right, let's get moving. And off they went. Um, but as I say, you you didn't fancy the script at all from Goldman. You did not like this. William Goldman is a genius. He's... Yeah written some of my uh, the scripts of some of my favorite movies uh, marathon man princess pride which Cassidy the sundance kid he's got great shots but if, like a lot like kane he's got a, a hit and miss rate uh, let's mm-hmm. put it that way and this is definitely the miss category there's like brief glimpses of his of his talent for dialogue in here but i mean it's it's like reading his books you know about the importance of story over things there is no story here and he doesn't and he doesn't manage to tell one in the yeah. script no whether or not like he's usually as he said there's nobody the scripts script could be potentially butchered in order to make it fit what uh dickie attenborough and levine wanted like, but uh but ultimately what ended up with screen like even yeah there's some half, awful half-fisted dialogue here the only time i think i laughed was the interaction between the surgeon and jimmy can and the rest of it like the god there was an inter- there's an interaction between Ryan O'Neill and Robert Redford. Now, Robert Redford is an inferior to Ryan O'Neill's superior. Yes. Uh, and Ryan O'Neill is four years younger uh, younger than Robert Redford. So it's a very odd dynamic that they've set up there. It's a, it's true, like a, young... it's a true dynamic, though, it has to be said, because Ryan O'Neill's character, the general, he was the youngest general. He was 37, I think, or something like that. So but that's, not, is... that's, not refer- that's not referenced. Yeah, yeah, so... no, I appreciate that. But I'm just, yeah, go on. You think they would have made a point at that? That would yeah. have been interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah uh, absolutely. But there's, a, there's he's coming and this is where we're introduced to Redford, uh, shining like a uh, so handsome, oh, so handsome. Just yeah, it's like that bit in the Wizard of Oz, you know, when uh, which uh, when Dorothy's house uh, lands in Oz, and she opens the door and goes from the sepia-toned uh, yeah, world yeah. of Kansas into you know the Technicolor scheme of uh, of Oz, mm. uh, Munchkinland, blah, blah blah. It's it's like that's like that when yeah. Redford walks on the screen. It does, but then he engages in this conversation with him, which is just. I'm, I've got an idea, but uh, I'm going to need somebody who's got experience, somebody who's got brains, somebody who's as handsome as a Kansas cornfield <laughs> on an autumn's day. <laughs> and somebody, I need one more. And I wait, oh, one more thing. Somebody who's dumb enough to do it. I was like, oh, Rob, you kind of that, that was that's the end. You know, kind of rubber. So, Are you talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> can I can I say I'm not going to do it? <laughs> It's such. A, I mean, it's it, so bad. It's such a bad. And I, I think part of it is down to Ryan O'Neill's fucking dress. Oh, he's, just, he's 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 the weakest link of 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 all the stars in the sky in this one. To be fair to Will, William Goldman, and William Goldman was I was accosted about this. So he's di- the dialogue, and particularly the British dialogue, right? Um, they were under pressure. Or Goldman in particular was under pressure from the get go to get this. So once once they decided they're going to make this movie, the heat was on to have a script by I think summer, late summer, autumn. 1976 Levine and Attenborough just started casting it and, and getting it all together before the script was even written so Goldman was told just okay, get it get it on our desk 
by the time we start shooting and we'll take care of the rest. So it, it, by his own admission, he would have, he would have, on a, if he had more time, gone and researched things and the, and the kind of the way, particularly that the British Tommies would have talked and, and, and the kind of chat that it would have been. Um, so he, uh, he, he sort of um, excuses himself, absolves himself slightly on that one. And I think that's, I think that, that's fair enough. But at the same time, some of it is incredibly leaden. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, look, it's yeah, always good one one like, yeah, yeah oh, it's glib, not glib. good one-liners. No, no, it's glib one-liners. Co- yeah. Just uh, or Urquhart, uh, when somebody says, so I thought you were dead, sir. I just said, that was that's the worst comeback. Oh, uh, that was just an error. Yeah, yeah. And even there's a line from <laughs> Kane that... that, that, Bond, that that's James Bond. Like, James Bond should be given better fucking lines than that. It, it, was, a, it was an error. I, you're right. I mean, and, you know, real Kane fans will, will appreciate They have always enjoyed... There's a line where he's in the middle of all these these celebrating Dutch people and it's it's time to set off. And, and I think it's Edward Fox's character. He's his superior officer, commanding officer. Says, you know... Are you ready to go or something like that? And he says, "Well, I don't. Are you ready to push on and do this job or something like that?" And he says, "I don't have anything else planned today, sir." And it's this kind of wonderful Kane-esque line. I'm just looking at it, going, "Oh man, what a waste of talent!" You know, I mean, he's he he's, and you know, it's funny. Kane was actually the last of the stars who was cast in a role. It's a good old yarn. This actually, he he was in L.A. And he, he sorry, I, sorry, listeners. I'm just going to go through my taxes when you go through this. <laughs> here's here's yarn number one. Here's like this is like this is like McCartney doing yesterday. No, the rest of the band have fecked off. God, no, it's not. Like, it's, it's it's not like McCartney doing yesterday. Sorry, that was very arrogant. Anyway, anyway, basically, he uh, he's in LA and he he uh, bumps into in inverted commas Richard Attenborough and Levine and Goldman in a restaurant. While they're out there, www.mygov.ie. Okay, I'm just going to send me an authentication password for that. All right. Sorry, no, you, you yeah, can yeah, go. Yeah, no, I'll carry on, I'll carry on. So uh, Kane, Kane went over to the table and said, hey, guys, listen, every I'm hearing it, every actor in this town is, is in this picture. Why not me? And to be fair, they gave him exactly the sort of role that you'd give someone in that situation. Seven minutes, as I say, I five seconds of oh, which was... The LPT is self-assessed this year? What the fuck? All right, he's going to download this. He came on set two days after finishing The Eagle Has Landed. Uh, he was in Holland for 10 days filming this thing. He said later that he spent the exact same uh, same amount of time filming Jaws, but he took all the blame for Jaws being shit, yet no one no one said a word to him uh, about A Bridge Too Far. So, I don't know. Take, t- take I, I that because but, but yeah, but I mean, I, if I, if memory serves, it's his name over the marquee for Jaws. It isn't his name over the marquee for this uh, for this uh, movie. What are you talking huh? about? He's top billing because it's all alphabetical order. Oh no, is he top billing? No, it's James Can then is alphabetical. Anyway, he's, he's up towards the top. He's up towards the top it, of the bill. The, you're saying above cinemas now in the the movie uh, movie posters, oh, yeah. it's going to be his name. It's not reference. It's no, going no, to no. be the, the biggest. No, okay, no, the, the okay. bo- biggest box office star of the time. Don't there at the bottom, but he's R. Sort of. This is the you know. <laughs> This is not the case, sir. <laughs> no, it is not. It is not. Levine himself said that I think one of his Asian distributors, uh, film distributors, if I, I will give you X uh, amount of dollars for 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 this film, but I will give you double X amount of dollars if you get Redford into this thing. He was there was actually a bit of there was a bit of commotion over how much Redford got paid because I mean, he was the biggest star and biggest male film star in the world in 1977. Uh, Connery went on strike. When he heard how much he was getting, I think. But I, I fuck look, this shit. I'm, I'm shitting down on him. Don't no more. There's a fucking Robert Redford comes on to shit. Uh, that can't shine. Two million dollars. 
He were, Redford made two million bucks in the end of all of this. And I've I've tried Tell to, Dickie you can find me on the golf course. <laughs> he apparently it's, it's apparently they all agreed to a flat quarter of a million dollars a week, all the stars. Oh, I'd love to see that kind of coming together that day. Isn't it just just arm in arm? Socialism at its best. Socialism, socialism at its best. But Redford, I mean, best of all. So the famous river scene, which we might just touch on now in a second, right? So, so Redford's big scene is. Oh, you'd like to touch on Redford, all right? With oh, I, I have to say, I have to say, seventies Redford is my ultimate man love. I mean, him and Jabby Alonso, who played for Liverpool in the noughties, at, 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 when when around the time Liverpool won the Champions League against Milan, those two are my listen. I am yours. Whatever I can do for That's you, to right. you, or with you. I, I will. That's quite the sliding scale, isn't it? Not at all. Not at all. But yeah, Redford is extraordinary. He's a brilliant. I, I think he's a brilliant actor during this period. He's he's just perfect. He's just he's just at his absolute peak. But he, the pressure anyway was on. There's this big river scene where he has to lead this this group of Americans across to take the bridge from the other side, and it's a big massive scene. Lots of explosions and all this, and they have to stop the river traffic. They stop the river traffic every Sunday to fill them on the river. So. This particular Sunday, they have to nail this scene because Redford's contract is up the following Wednesday. And if they don't get it, they have to pay him $125,000 a day to stay on set till the following Sunday to nail it. So like Goldman tells in his book, Goldman has a whole chapter on The Breach Too Far in his autobiography. And it's just a, a brilliant story about Attenborough. Just completely calm, darling. No problem, dear. That's fine, dear. Uh, but everybody's banging questions at him, banging questions at him. And like, he has to get, like, there are millions riding on this. And he is just answering all the questions really calmly. Roll, camera. Do 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 the corpses need to close their eyes? Yes, the corpses need to close their eyes, darling. They'll be in, they'll be in shot. All this stuff nails it, saves them, <laughs> saves the millions, and Redford can head off into the sunset. But the boat scene, I don't, I mean, again, we had a bit of a chat about this. You're not as crazy, but I think it's the best scene in the entire movie. Is the boat scene, and it's part not just because of the the the, the, the kind of the, the action element, but Redford's really excellent in it. But you don't, you're you're not so much of a fan. I like my favorite scene of the movie is the initial uh, assault by the Germans. Uh, is it Nemengen? Nemengen, uh, you oh yeah, Philistine. Sorry, um, I may join uh, McCain's uh, Nigel Powers in my hatred of the Dutch. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, the initial assault then with the Tony Hopkins, um, yeah, where they where they, where they defeat the Germans at the bridge. That was that was my my favorite scene. Um, but the yeah, the river scenes kind of meh. Oh. You know, the usual kind of anonymous anonymous extras getting shot uh, is more tragic. Um, and uh, Robert Redford saying "Hail Mary" for the grace the first time of that over and over again, oh, which. Man. I assume they meant it to be affecting, but it would have been more affecting if he was saying the entire prayer as he was going across, not repeating the same first line. That, no, not at all. Uh, that, 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 that reflects the stress. He couldn't even get past the first line. He was just like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I can tell you, I can safely say it. Someone... I can't think that a lot of said, do you know what? He deserved to die. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You're very hard line yeah. on that. Um, I can safely say it. I've never watched this movie a lot of times from childhood all the way up through. It's the one scene that always sticks with that's me. That's because and the, it, that you've only seen it once because that's how long the fucking movie is. <laughs> I've been watching it intermittently through my life just to get to the end of it. Um, but it's I think it's magnificent. We're not going to get into this because it's an entire other podcast. I personally think that it, that river scene and when they get up all onto the beach and how it's 
directed and all the rest of it is a precursor to Spielberg with Saving Private Ryan, the opening scene. But I'm not going to go there, which I know you don't no. agree, and you'll take me apart. So I'm just going to. It's going to move. Just, well, let's just move along. We'll move along quietly. We'll move along. Um, um, anything you want to touch on here? Like, I've, I, you know, I could just go nuts on this. So I'm just going to, I'm going to let you, uh, let you go. Uh, what did I, else did I want to say? There was, again, superfluous scenes with the, oh, God. For you, there's a, the, again, because the, Attenborough or Goldman, whoever feels that you have to every now and again insert a, a war is hell scene. Mm. Oh, man's inhumanity to man. Blah blah blah. There's a scene um, where the wounded British are holed up in a in a I guess a Dutch stately home, whatever whatever that that is. Um, and the 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 lady of the house is there ministering to them, and it's like, oh, oh, why couldn't they have one more day or whatever? And then she goes read and kills a guy by reading poetry at him. Which is, again, <laughs> funny, funniest scene of the film actually. Sits down next to the, the soldier, opens <sighs> a poetry book, and he immediately dies. I was like, but that would be my reaction as well. Yes, no, no, thanks. I've had enough. This world is clearly too cruel for one like me. I've been shot 15 times, but this terrible, turgid prose you're about to fucking read at me. No, thanks. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, cruel world. Uh, and the alternative, the alternative interpretation of that scene would be Kate to horse this wonderful woman who opens her doors and her house to all Steady. these okay okay opens <laughs> her doors and her house you knew exactly what you were doing yeah, yeah, easy this right, is the fucking carry on podcast to get on who, who, who opens who opens her house to uh, all these wounded British soldiers um a kid to horse who is obviously a real character who is still alive the when they made a bridge to horse. Here's do you want to hear the is she is she related to Pat the Cope? Yeah she is yeah Here's here's the worst of it, right? So Kate the horse house gets stop it gets destroyed during the battle. What about her neighbors? Yeah, <laughs> this poor woman. She was a hero, absolute hero. So her 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 house gets flattened during during the battle or after the battle. Okay, so it's gone, right? But in 1976, they come along. I understand and, the concept of a house getting no, no. But, but listen to this. Listen, listen to this. For accuracy, they rebuild the house. For the for, for 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 the purposes of the movie, Kate herself is on set, like giving advice and stuff, and they proceed to flatten the house again. Yeah. <laughs> like just a sort of really the that must, have really, taken, that must have really taken the sheet off her winning the Grand National that year. Uh, <laughs> Lawrence Olivier is is uh, is, well, is fuck a, off, a major Larry. star. <laughs> Larry arrives. <laughs> Would you like to hear how how invested Larry was in the role? Well, let me tell you, Stephen, I, I, I arrived on set wearing very, very scuffed up, rather shabby pair of black shoes. And Dickie Atman said, darling, darling, why? What, what, what happened to your shoes? Well, Dickie, I, let me tell you, in, 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 in an effort to invest myself in the character of a doctor, a rural doctor who enjoys gardening, I've been gardening for 10 days in these shoes. Oh, darling, that is wonderful. That, 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 is, that is so invested. We're, we're so happy to have you here. This is the same Larry Olivia, you know, who tore fucking Dustin Hoffman to shred for shreds for running around for about half an hour to work up a sweat for a scene in Marathon Man and said to him, Darling, why don't you just act? Exactly. What a wanker. What a wanker. It cannot, that cannot be left unsaid. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. No, I would agree with you. There was an awful lot of war as hell bits in this that I, they're, they're the bits that throw me. There's probably too oh, much. The, what's the other one, favorite one uh, is, oh, Oh, the blood of a soldier it drops on the rug of an innocent child playing with the toys hopefully the child will grow up in a world without war he will enjoy his toys 
And when it's time to become a man, you become a man. Not too early like it was for me. <laughs> I joined up when I was 15. I lied and said I was 16. Now my mother would never see me again. What is hell? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I also do not like that scene where they're coming yeah. into the where they're coming into the house and blood spills and a little toy train falls over. Um, interesting. Just one last. No, 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 no. Am you I lie. Okay. You lie. You lie. Dirk Bogart was there. Dirk Bogart was there. Bogart was there. He was actually he actually fell out with Dickie Attenborough over the portrayal of Browning that that appeared on screen. He was uh, he worked as, as part of an intelligence uh, attaché. Or, sorry, an intelligence uh, group from Montgomery. He was sent over with Brown. So he was actually at Arnhem. Dick Dirk Bogart. Dirk Bogart was also at Belson concentration camp when it was liberated. I did not know that. And that, I have to say... Did he work, did he work there? Mind. No, stop. He was there with the British force that liberated Belson. Unbelievable. Hardy Kruger, the German actor who was also in this, was actually recruited as a child soldier... Uh, around this time in the war as well. So there's a lot of bits and pieces. A lot of people bring a lot of ever, stuff. I don't think one is, one is ever recruited as a child. Yeah, well, you, I think you know what I mean? Press ganged into Press gang. Press ganged, yeah, yeah. Press ganged. Uh, but anyway, look, this is not a British... Tidy Sniper, Tidy Sniper. I like that little shot of Tidy Sniper. <laughs> you want to sing it? You want to sing it? Shoot a soldier, Tidy Sniper. Put the British in your crosshairs. Just a millisecond, <laughs> fucking dashed by the Gatmer again. Uh, they're storming, they're storming the beach there after crossing the river, hail marrying themselves to fucking death. And then you see, you know, drop yeah. snipers, and then cuts to three, a succession of three snipers shooting. You know, two adults, and then this fucking four-year-old with a helmet, helmet yeah. bearing exactly falling over his head to take it a shot, and he yeah. just got to go. Dickie, did you not think that would be fucking hilarious? Yeah, <laughs> we'd put the picture up. We'll put the picture up on the socials. I, I have said this. I have said this. This is this is probably the most. Um, how would you put it? Most inappropriate stroke. Uh, un bridge too far, like bridge too far conversation there's ever been, and probably all the better for that. No. Plus now, plus now, plus now, we're gonna to have to pay Elton John like two million dollars for oh, fucking I know. idiot royalties. Anyway, it gets savaged by the critic Ebert, Siskel and Ebert wreck it. Uh, people just like no more than yourself. They just they just get kind of it's a bit too long. What's the Dave Fanning think of it? <laughs> Probably the same as yourself. I don't know where this is going. What's happening? So, um, so. It, it's just, yeah, I enjoy it because it's my kind of kind of long winded sort of thing that I can sit down on a rainy Sunday afternoon and get fat watching. But I appreciate I, I wouldn't argue with anybody who, who doesn't take it. It's it's grand. I just love the ambition. And I, I, you know, Redford is at his peak and I don't care how much they paid him. It wasn't half enough. Do we have anything else to add to this or will we just go to Marks for Kane? We'll go to Max McCain. Okay, what are you giving him? Well, I, actually, you know, uh, let, me, let, me, let me set the bar this time. You'll probably go underneath it. I've been kind of struggling yeah. with this. I'm kind of going five or six. I mean, he's in this for such, yeah. such a short space of time. Yeah. You know, he has yeah, one... five or six. You're, yeah. he's, he's, you're talking to Marx because he he wanted to do this. Yeah, he pleaded to do this. He pleaded. Yeah. And he was the last guy. He was the last guy on the wagon who got in. Like So it's, it's, it's all a bit, I don't know, maybe five. Actually, with that, let's dock him a mark for begging. Um, so yeah. five. He only, he only has like he has one scene with Edward Fox, who who won a BAFTA for this. It's the only award. It was completely ignored at the Oscars. You can imagine, you can imagine the the mood around the place uh, when they didn't get nominated for anything. He has one scene with Edward Fox. He has one scene with our man Elliot Gould. Um, of course, reunited from Harry and Walter. Not hectic. Oh, yeah, yeah, not not hectic. There is one other thing that we need to touch on, Stephen. Why nineteen seventy seven was a significant is it year? Is a rocket for his penis? No, it is not. Okay. 
Just joking. But, but thanks for asking. Um, he only makes one movie. Now, we know, given Kane's prolific output around this time, that one movie in a year is basically the equivalent of him pulling a sickie and just not, you know, what the hell's going on? What's wrong? What's wrong? Yeah, yeah. Well, he had a little tax problem. That was the problem. Oh, no. 1977. 78, very, very significant time. Uh, the Labour government in Britain was imposing a wealth tax on the highest earners and uh, Kane was staring at losing 82% of his annual earnings on tax. So his accountant basically called him and said, Mick, you're broke. How many cheroots can you smoke? You know, how, how many Fabergé eggs do you need in one bathroom? You got to stop. You got to stop. No, I know. Just imagine... Stephen, right? Get, get, put yourself in this position, right? You put yourself in Kane's mind, right? This man who was so acutely aware of making money, making a living, being so sort of paranoid, uh, only a few years earlier, about that he might never get another job again, being told by his accountant, mate, you're broke, or you're going to be broke. Yeah, I'd imagine, again, taking everything with the greatest, I would like to see the actual transcript of that conversation. Because again, <laughs> you're, you're saying McCain basically decided to go a tax ex- exile because he didn't want to pay no taxes. So essentially, yeah. if I was doing that, I'd be doing as much as I could to make myself sympathetic, mm. uh, a sympathetic character here. I would say the likelihood of him being broke is probably close to being shagged. Oh, sure. Listen, I mean, there's there's broken. There's, I mean, 82% of his earnings. So the 18% he would have been left with still would have been a, a big wedge. Now, yeah, look, as we know, look, he wasn't the only one. He wasn't the only Brit who 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 fled his shores at this time when 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 this tax came in. But it was pure panic. There's a couple of things he did. Like so so himself and Connery, first thing they did, they hit Allied artists with a lawsuit uh for profits from the man who will be king that they claimed they were owed. Now this is I think the Allied artists themselves at the time said there was accounting issues going back. So this was kind of a, a thing that was ongoing, but they hit them with the lawsuit around this time. Allied artists settled out of court. Don't know how much he got for it. But next thing Kane takes the first gig going in the States, which will be our next movie called Silver Bears. Not sure how much the pay was, but it was pretty decent. He sells Mill House in Windsor, where he where he pruned his roses and he cooked Sunday lunch every every Sunday. So many, so many happy memories there. He sold it to Jimmy Page for three quarters of a million quid. Again, late 70s, three quarters of a million quid. All the roses gone. And he's away to Beverly Hills. Way to Beverly Hills, 78, 79. Imagine. Kane. Yes, if, if you're having money problems, the one place you go to is probably one of the most expensive places <laughs> to buy real estate in the world. Exactly. And equally, equally, what does he, what kind of type of gap does he buy? This, you know, cautious, price conscious man who's recently been spooked by the tax, tax man. Does he go bijou? Modest two up to down. Yeah, modest two up to down. Just something, just something, just a little starter offer for himself, for himself and the missus and the kid. No, no. Five bed, 6,000 square foot mansion with glass walls opening up to a 180 degree view of Los Angeles. So the shock. Oh, is it me? You have to walk around with your clothes on. Then. What a pain in the fucking <laughs> I gig. No, I know. He's got to throw the robe on. He's going to have to get the robes on again. That's a shame. Uh, yeah, he played, bought it in Trousdale in Beverly Hills was the address. And if you go, if you're if you're that bored like I was yesterday, you can actually find an overhead shot of um of the place. Uh, and it, I, to be honest with you, it looks like one of the, it looks like the Bin Laden compound or something. It's a scene. Sorry, I'm, I'm just I, I'm just laughing at the notion of a man with with four children under the age of seven being bored. I just imagine you <laughs> kids going, "Daddy, will you play with us?" No, no, I'm well, not here. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, why is Mammy in the car again? Why is Mammy crying in the car? Shh, shh, shh. Stop, how, stop. how do you spell Truesdale? 
There, there's some schoolwork for you. And I tell you how to spell Truesdale. I'm looking at an overhead shot of, 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 of someone's house from 40, 50 years ago. Shush now, shush. Jeez, it looks like Bin Laden's gaff. It's all, it's just all flat and massive. He held on to the restaurant. Right. This is all on you. Yeah, he held on to the restaurant. He held on to the brasserie, which we haven't really touched on uh, his restaurant with Peter Langan, the mad chef um, that was doing, that, that became a bit of a, became a bit of a fixture. By the way, I, I have to share this with you. I, I have to share this with you. So like, so Langan, Langan is a drunk. Basically, he's a genius chef, but he's a drunk, and he is known for making a show of himself in the restaurant all the time. You know, he he goes under the re- goes under restaurant tables and bites people's legs, and he kind of sprawls himself across tables. So this is a human being known like a cocker spaniel. No, no, this is this is a chef, right? Um, he Kane. Well, sorry. Let me start with what Peter Langan said about Kane as an actor. He said he's a mediocrity with halitosis who has a council house mind. <laughs> Do you want to hear Kane's wow. repast? Um, you sure oh, got, got me to. there. Oh, you've got to, <laughs> Peter. You got to, You got to listen to. It. Imagine said it. Peter stumbles around in a cloud of his own vomit and is a complete social embarrassment. You would have a more interesting conversation with a cabbage. How do you stumble around in a cloud of your own vomit? Vomit's no. not vapour. Uh, this is, again, this is how our minds work. That was the first thing I was drawn to as well. How yeah. do you, what's a cloud, what is a cloud of vomit? Does he like vaporise it first? Uh, could, uh, could it just spritz it? Like, oh. with, like uh, uh, eau de cologne? I don't know. Well, you know, to, to give him his, some bit of juice, people at the time would have said he kind of played up that whole thing. But he certainly was, he certainly was an eccentric. But uh, the press, the press anyway, savaged Kane. When he left, Kane's tax mutiny. God, oh. Traitor, traitor. In, in 82, Kane said, if I'd stayed in England, I'd have had no money. You know what's worse than a tax problem? No tax problem. And I think that's actually a pretty fair, that's a pretty fair, fair summation of it, actually. Yeah, I guess. Uh, the same time, pay your fucking taxes. Absolutely. Well, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. That is that is it. But I think, it's a, look, it's a bit of a key period for the man for all sorts of reasons because he's, no, he's gone to America. But now he really is in that space where he's doing movies now just for the cash, just for the lifestyle. We are two movies away from the swarm. So we're, you know, Silver Bears, he does it for the cash. It's a totally, you know, it's we're we're moving into, we're really moving into that space now. I, I, I don't know about you. I, I think that's kind of significant. I know. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, he's my, he's got his mind and his money and his money on his mind. Um, if I could quote the bard, uh, <laughs> the only the only thing good thing about this is yes, the quality may may continue to. But by God, the one thing about B movies is man, is they're fucking short. Yeah, thank. Oh yeah, you're going like I don't know how long Silver Bears is, but I'm betting that you're going to be able to fit probably two of his next movies into one bridge too far. Oh, I will only have to make one toilet during it. Oh, yes. Just the one. Just the one. No need for the class in my bag. So, yeah. Next up, as we said, is Silver Bears. I saw a little bit of this one night very late on a movie channel, maybe, I don't know, months ago. Kane looks very That's slim and That's a great wet. story. That's a great story. They should have fucking included that in a bridge too far and had another 20 minutes on it. <laughs> yeah, this is my Norton material. Um, Kane, <laughs> Kane, 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 Kane looks very... Uh, it's more strictly Jonathan Ross now, to be honest with you. No, 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 Norton. Primo Norton. Um, Kane looks very slim and well in it, but he, he, himself, he actually put it down to about a dysentery he got in Morocco. He would, like... I mean, he wouldn't just say, yeah, I was looking well, all right, no no I got a dose of the shits on my holidays and that's and that's why I looked like I was on the actor diet again like 10 years after I was just shit it out dear shit oh. it out oh god poor Richard Attenborough Jay Leno was in it 
What have we got here? We have a proposition that involves more money than you could possibly ever have dreamed of. Oh, I'm quite a dreamer. We'll take a chance in it, we have to. You'll be, you'll be glad to be away from the fatigues anyway. I'd be glad to get away from the fatigues, if not exactly away from the fatigue, if you know what I mean, Michael. Ah, uh, very good, very good. Well, let's, go, let's see, let's see, let's see. Who knows, Jay, who knows, who knows? Ah, Jay Leno. Jay, the only Jay Leno movie I've seen is, I can't remember the name of it, but it's him and Pat Morita um, from The Karate Kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think about called Detroit Steel or something like that, but it is it is god-awful, so... Well, this is earlier in his yeah. career. Maybe, maybe he's he maybe he's a hungry young actor looking for a break, and he 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 you know he kind of puts his back into it a bit more than that. One. Who knows? Who knows? We're going to find out though. So come back next time. Silver Bears, um, a bridge too far. Can I just say there's a wonderful documentary on YouTube about the making of a bridge too far for all of you people like me who'd like to learn more. And for the rest of you normal people, as usual, uh, <laughs> like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Marketing Two. Drop us some questions usual we'll see you again next week for another boat of hilarity uh, with the silver bears all right see you that's it for this week's episode thanks for listening make sure to like and subscribe and maybe leave a comment only nice ones though mean comments will make alfie cry and no one wants to see that the marco kane podcast is written researched and presented by stephen black and Michael Foley and edited by Andrew Foley music is composed by Stephen Black if you'd like to get in touch you'll find us on Twitter at at MarkoKane2 and if you enjoyed this episode you'll find all the rest wherever you get your podcasts The Mark of Kane is a Mala News 2 Cubes production see you next time <laughs>